You know that we're no stranger to food on this show. It's a, it's a big ingredient to what In Love With The Process is. It's a big ingredient into who I am as a person and who I am as an artist. I, I think food is essential. Food is the ultimate communicator. It is the way to uh, break the ice with someone that you've never met before. It is the way to make uh, an angry crew happy. It is the way to uh, add a timestamp, very similar to music, and the similar way that a song will add a timestamp to an emotion in an event that you're having, I feel like a, a meal does the same thing. And uh, we've had quite a few chefs and uh, barbecue pitmasters and and folks that love food and review food and talk about food on the show, uh, but we haven't really talked about one of the most important positions on a film set, in my opinion. I think a position that if done incorrectly, will change the entire attitude, can ruin a shoot, can ruin a day. Um, And I'm talking about craft services. Craft services. Now, some of you who listen to the show don't work in the business. Some of you who listen to the show have never been on a film set before. And a a lot of you don't know exactly what craft service means. And we're going to get into it on today's show, man. We're going to talk with one of the most infamous craft services guys out there. Like, uh, he was suggested to me by our good friend, Stu Valberg. Stu is a director, assistant director. He's been on the show multiple times. He's a fan of the show. I know Stu's listening right now. Stu, should you should actually get paid as a, as my booking agent at this point. <laughs> uh, it's Stu and I were out having beers and food and hanging out here in, in Los Angeles. And he was like, dude, you know who you got to have on your show? And I said, who? And he goes, you got to have Gator on your show. It's like gator, like an alligator, you know, he goes, no, no, no. There's this guy that I worked with on Mindhunter, craft service, dude, and he's the coolest guy and you guys will get along. And Stu's not wrong, really is when he suggests guests for the show. Um, I am excited because today I talked to, because I've already done it. I'm not going to pretend like I haven't yet. I talked to Gator Gilbo. Now, Gator is uh been uh, has been working in craft services for years uh he started working for his father who was also in craft services his dad cajun was uh was doing it for years uh, through the 80s and the 90s and uh gator has been working on shows like yellowstone like all of the yellowstone shows and the spinoff shows he's uh friends with uh taylor sheridan who directs and produces i mean single-handedly saves paramount with all his content right now and uh infamously known for doing stuff on location doing doing big stuff like yellowstone has become a a massive massive show with all of its spin-offs but just the show itself like the crew went from being a very small tight-knit crew to being a crew of 300 so how do you take care of 300 people how do you feed 300 people what is the difference between craft services and catering? We're going to get into all that stuff. We're going to talk about recipes. We're going to talk about <laughs> how Gator went from being the guy on set feeding people to being the on-screen chef for Yellowstone and actually putting a plate of octopus in front of Kevin Costner and what that experience was like for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Great stories on this episode. Um, and... 
talk about an instant bond and kinship with this guy. Uh, him and I believe in the same things. Him and I love going on the same sort of adventures and the food adventures. And as you listen to the show, here's a big fucking warning. You're going to get hungry. You're going to get hungry and then you're going to get excited. And there's going to be a lot of envy that's coming out of each and every one of you listening because you're going to walk. You're going to wish that you were on set. You're going to wish that you were hanging out in Montana uh, with Gator and his crew of folks. And here's the other thing that's crazy. And we're going to get into it. He literally wrote the Yellowstone cookbook. So Yellowstone, the official Dutton Ranch family cookbook, delicious homestyle recipes from character and real life chef Gabriel Gator Gilbo. So he actually did that. It's like, how the fuck did you convince this giant <laughs> paramount to let you do the cookbook? So we talk about that stuff too, man. It's a killer episode. I'm excited you're here. But before we get into it, thank you everybody for following me on Instagram at MikePetchy and following the podcast on Instagram. That's in love with the process pod, P-O-D on Instagram. Um, yes, I have been posting, this is a food episode, so let's talk about our food stuff. I've been uh, keeping track and showing you guys what I've been cooking lately, where I've been, what I've been eating lately, because we all love that, right? We all like to brag about the food that we make and eat and the people that we eat it with. And we talk about this a lot in this episode. Really, each time I post one of these images, it is that moment captured for me. I remember just by looking at what the food is, what the conversations were like, what it was like hanging out with the people that I'm eating with, uh, what I felt like, what the music sounded like. I love that about food, man. I love that about food. And my experience with craft services has been mixed, right? So um, I've had bad craft services and I've had good craft services. And all, it, really, it's the producers that control it. Let's be real, right? Because, uh, you know, Producers are always trying to save a buck, save some money, take that money and put it towards that crane that the uh, DP has been asking for. And they're usually scrimping, they're scraping that out of something simple like craft services. They're always looking for a deal. And there's nothing worse than uh, having a craft service company that shows up or a catering company that shows up without enough food. And the food is chewy. It's chicken. It's overcooked pasta. And when you're working so hard in our business, they work you to the fucking bone. And especially if you're doing TV, they work you to the bone. Hours and hours and hours and hours. There's a reason why the strikes and everything are going on. And there's a reason why people are trying to bring an awareness to it. Because it's incredibly difficult to do the level of work, the quantity of work that is required for a streaming service um, in the turnaround time that the streaming service requires. And in the budget range that the streaming service requires. And so... You have these people that are exhaustively working and there's nothing worse than having a plate put in front of you. Because here's the thing, I, I know from the outside, if you're just, if you're someone that works in the real world, right? If you're someone that is like a plumber, an electrician, you're like, what the fuck? I don't have somebody handing me a plate. I don't have somebody, you know, setting up a smoker and making us brisket for snacks. I don't, I don't have that sort of stuff. And yes, I understand. I agree. I've done both jobs, man. I've, I've, I've brought bound brown bag lunches and, and flipped a fucking uh, paint can over and sat on a paint can in, a, in an unfinished closet and, eat, and had a sandwich. 
I've done that before. The difference between the movie business and painting houses is that when you're painting houses, you're still kind of in control of your life, right? With me, I'd wake up early in the morning, throw on my suit, get in the truck, drive to the job. We'd have a break. We'd go to a convenience store or some sort of sandwich shop, grab sandwiches, take a break, do that, go back home, go to work. That was kind of the vibe. When you're working on film sets, they take over your entire fucking life. And oftentimes, you're transported into areas that uh, you don't live in. You're transported away from your families. You're living out of a hotel room. You don't necessarily have a kitchen in your hotel room, right? And you're in, sometimes, especially with shows like Yellowstone, you're out in the middle of fucking nowhere, man. You know, you're shooting out in the middle of nowhere, right? And they bust you in. You wake up in the morning. You roll out of bed. The, uh, the uh, transport van is showing up, picking up crew. You get into it. They drive you to set. You haven't even had a chance. You barely brushed your teeth, right? And you hadn't had a chance to have breakfast. So you walk on set. First thing you do, first thing you encounter is whoever's there setting up for breakfast. Is it craft services? Is it catering? There's a, there's a line between the two. We get into it on the show. Um, and uh, there's nothing better than having somebody who's, these, these poor people, like food, the food industry in general, I think a lot of people don't respect the amount of time it takes to prep these things. You're up all fucking night prepping for this, you know? Just cutting onions and prepping your bacon and getting your eggs ready and, and doing all that. It's prep, 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 prep. And so there's nothing better than showing up on set and the, the griddles are going, right? Maybe there's some flame going. Maybe they're doing some steak. Maybe they're going to do some like breakfast tacos, right? Maybe a breakfast burrito. Maybe they're just going to do some scramble, scrambled eggs with some ham. There's nothing better than walking over and just seeing that person and having that person on the other side of the table smiling at you saying, good morning, welcome. I know we were up all night last night. Maybe we had a couple extra beers after rep, but I'm here and I have that hangover cure for you right now, man. That's the shit. That is the only way you're going to get that grip department to get their hands dirty. You know what I mean? After a long night, after an overnight of shooting. Um, and I've experienced great ones. I think my favorite craft service story, I was doing, I was hired to, to be the cinematographer on this like short film slash commercial hybrid thing. And so I'm on this shoot and I'm working with this director and her and I, kind of met before but we really weren't connecting and the director really couldn't convey her vision and she had a lot of trouble communicating her vision and then i was also having trouble with the producer so i was sort of in this mix like this beehive of emotions with folks and I, I was still younger right so i'm still processing my own emotions and trying to figure out how to process my frustrations as these days go on and things aren't the way they're supposed to be and you're just fucking irritated and i remember specifically i was in the in the middle of the heat of an argument and we're we're arguing me and i think it was a producer maybe it wasn't the director but it was me and somebody else and we're just in it and i'm trying to to talk some sense into this person and go like look this is not gonna fucking work this is not the the, the, the situation and they're coming back and I go i don't care and we're just in this heated mode and we're close to each other you know it's like the godzilla kong poster the two of us are just staring right at each other and then suddenly, in between us, this plate just slides. And I'm not making this up. This plate slides right in our eye line. And we go from like seething and looking at each other. And we look down at this plate. What's on this plate? There's sliced meats. There's cheeses. And good stuff. 
good stuff is on this plane. And we have this moment where we both stop talking. And the world just like, you know how when you get when you're angry and it sounds like there's a can of bees in your head, those they start to die down. All those bees just sort of land, you know. And you look at each other and your heart rate's slowing down just to, for, for a hot second. And then you hear the voice. The voice next to you goes, you guys should eat some. Right? And so we did. We had this moment where we both picked something off the tray and we put it in our mouths and we looked at each other, we're chewing on it. It changed everything. We started to smile. We started to talk. Let's take a let's take a hot second here, guys. Eat something. And he was right. And what I loved about that guy, what I loved about that craft service situation was he was in tune to what was happening on set. He knew that blood sugars were low. He knew that anger levels were high. He knew how to go in there and diffuse it with the simplest thing. Like, like I think it was like sliced salamis and cheese and crackers. It was just the fucking simplest thing. It didn't have to be fancy. And he disarmed the whole situation. He saved it with his little plate of food. That's a good craft service person, right? And sure, it's not always going to be that romantic, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it's an important position. And I think I I dare say that you're going to get through this episode, love this episode, and by the end of it, you're going to have a greater respect for the craft service department. You're going to want to hang out with these folks, and you're kind of want to you're going to want to do it, you know. So, without further ado, let's get into it because Gator and I got a lot to talk about. You're going to love this guy. I love this guy. Um, so uh, find a comfy space, and you I, I highly advise that you eat something right now have a snack have something with you because if you're listening to the show on an empty stomach you're gonna get frustrated (laughs) so find a comfy spot pull yourself up maybe you got a sandwich and uh strap on those headphones they're already on dickhead uh turn up those noise canceling headphones sit back relax try not to chew too loud and enjoy the brand new episode of in love with the process Gator, thanks for being on the show. How are you this morning? Hey, man, I'm doing real good. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing better than me, man. <laughs> I was up all. The, I was I'm up th- late hey, last I'm, night. 
I'm three podcasts in this morning. I'm spry. <laughs> Not me, man. <laughs> I was out late last night with our buddy and it was his birthday and then shots went around and then it was two o'clock in the morning and I'm like, I got to talk to Gator in the morning. Come on, guys. I, don't worry. I'm the right guy to talk to in that condition. <laughs> well, it's been me so many times. It just happens that it's not today. <laughs> it was, well, now, I, t- tomorrow might be a different story. I'm, I, I think I'm, think I'm going to hit the town tonight. So, Oh, good. Well, after three fucking podcasts, <laughs> I've, the last time I did three podcasts in a day, my I was like, I don't want to talk for a fucking week. Dude. <laughs> it's too much. Um, well, t- I'm, I'm excited to have you on. And uh, we were talking briefly off air. Uh, my buddy, uh, Stuart Valberg, who everybody who listens to the show knows that uh, he's been on a few times, director, assistant director. Um, him and I were out having beers. And uh, he was like, you got to talk to Gator, man. And Yeah, uh, Stuart's been on some sort of crazy burger tour in his life the last few months, if, from what I can gather. He, one would uh, even call him a burger snob. <laughs> what would you do? Might be a burger snob. Stu and I might need to link up here again pretty soon so I can rock his world a little bit. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you should. He... Uh, we've been friends for a while now and, uh, he likes to come over and, uh, hang out and I like besides directing on the weekends and, uh, in my spare time when I'm not fucking directing, which is most of the time I'm smoking meats and, and grilling and doing stuff. So he's always uh, hanging out and eating, eating, eating with me too. So, yeah, I seem to remember that he was a good eater. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm excited, man. Cause I was literally just going down the rabbit hole that is gator and uh like holy shit dude like you've been craft service guy uh you know chef uh you know actor now on uh yellowstone like what a whirlwind of uh stuff for you recently and then that now like new york times best-selling fucking author <laughs> that one that one you that one i didn't see coming but, uh, <laughs> um Man, yeah, it's been wild, man. What a crazy journey, and uh, I don't even know—I don't even know where I'm going next. But I'm in it for the ride. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it, man. And just going through your uh, your Instagram, I'm like, dude, I got to hang out with this guy. <laughs> Sounds like we'd probably get along. Yeah, man. <laughs> even at two a.m. Yeah, I'm in, dude. <laughs> I'm way too in. So let let's start. At the beginning here, like, well, two things. One, so our audience is, majority of our audience are filmmakers and people that love movies and love cinema. And, you know, I'm a director. And so that's kind of been the whole thing. And I've been, you know, force feeding my audience food stuff for years because I I wholeheartedly believe that cooking a meal is the equivalent to making a mini movie for an audience. It's just, it's the same sort of satisfaction that I get. Um for some of us, it's even more connected than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would hope. <laughs> um, so uh, you guys, and uh, we really haven't talked on the show about craft services at all. Um, and I think and you have the right guy on the show because few know more about craft service than I do. Dude, I love it, man. And I think what, what most people don't realize is that, you know, when you have great craft services, it's it's not only has the ability to quell arguments, uh, make people comfortable, um, but also, you know, revive, uh, you know, a battle-worn crew 
And uh, really, you, ultimately, craft services is the hero of the set. Well, they can be the hero or the villain, my friend. <laughs> I would love to get into these stories. So <laughs> we, we might have a whole podcast series on our hands if we get into craft service fiascos. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So how, how'd you get into craft services? Like, what was the beginning for you? Um, my dad started doing craft services in 1992. Wow. Okay. In, in Los Angeles, uh, he was selling cars, um, at Universal City Nissan in North Hollywood, California. <laughs> okay. He was, uh, he was an excellent car salesman. He was one of their best they ever had, but you know, selling cars, you don't make that much money. Yeah. Uh, and he was out in LA and, you know, he went out there to do whatever chase girls, probably mostly. Um, and to get out of the country, he wanted out of Louisiana. He wanted to, you know, live the dream out in California. And it was, it was, it was the eighties in LA. It was the place to be. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and, uh, so he was there and, uh, somebody bought a car from him that knew a guy that was also from Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh-huh. That was a craft service guy. How, you know, he, he just happened to end up there. That's where he got. And uh, craft service in 90 was very much not what it is today. And it's certainly not what I do. And this guy was so homesick for Louisiana that he, he a friend of his bought a car from a guy that was my dad uh -huh. that talked kind of funny. Like he did. And that was what they said. And this guy was, was so homesick, he drove all the way from Long Beach, all the way to North Hollywood to go meet this guy. And uh, my dad, of course, sold him a car he didn't need. Mm -hmm. um, but he was talking to him, and he asked the, this guy, Clark, what he did. And he says, well, I, I, feed, I feed people on movie sets. You know, I, I feed people. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad said, no, 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 no. I feed people. That's what I do. What do you do? Because I see how much you make a month here. So you're not just feeding people. What are you doing? And he says, no, no, no. I, I feed movie crews. And uh, that's my dad said, all right, well, I'm coming to I'm coming to do it. And he, he came and worked with this guy and had no idea what he was getting into and no idea what to do. Yeah. And didn't know that it really didn't involve feeding people at all at first. Well, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, back then, craft service was coffee and bottled water and, you know, donuts for breakfast. Yeah, right, right. Nobody had ever cooked on set before, Mike. Uh, <laughs> no, no, this is never, that had never happened. You know, you might get sandwiches. Yeah. And um, my dad just fit in really well. You know, he, people liked him. He was cheeky and he had a funny accent and he called everybody baby. And, uh, he was just so not the norm for Hollywood, which, uh, I feel the same. I feel the same way every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he started cooking on set and he, he, one time he fried turkeys on a movie set. And this was early on, man. This was before anybody knew what fried turkey was. Wow. The only, the only way you'd ever heard of fried turkeys have been if you'd been to the Texas State Fair uh, in the 90s. And people still tell me that story. They'll, they'll meet me on, you know, cooking somewhere. And they'll be like, you know, I used to know a guy that uh, 
he did this like you. He did stuff like this. He cooked outside. I think he, he fried turkeys one time on set. It was amazing. I said, I think I know that guy. I think I heard of him before. <laughs> so he did the whole deal, right? He brought out like uh, like uh, prob- we always called it the, the dog and pony show. Yeah, yeah, right. So he's out there. He, yep. he, he's out there with uh, like deep fryers, like um, what do you call them? Like propane powered deep fryers, and then just lower oh, yeah. turkeys. Propane, yeah. propane all the way. We burners, and that's what we that's what we grew up on. That's how we cooked. That's how Cajun people still cook. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I literally oh. just got back from Louisiana uh, four days ago. So okay, yeah. You waited for the heat to calm down a little bit. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there, man. I was there. I was doing the airboats shit and uh, hanging out with the alligators. Almost got my leg bit by an alligator. It was fun. So, and the food was good. Yeah, yeah. So, one fun. of us. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah. Of co- so, of course, he becomes uh, a name, right? Because you know you have well, characters it was on funny set because right? he. They just started calling him uh, that Cajun guy, you know, <laughs> and. They would call this guy Clark that, uh, you know, got him in the business and they'd say, hey, um, we're calling. We're looking for that Cajun guy. And Clark would go, yeah, yeah, that's me. uh, No, the other guy, though. Yeah, yeah, we're we're the same. We're the same team. Yeah, but we really want the, the Cajun one. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm caging it. No, the guy who cooks all the, the food. And that was that was kind of how it all just happened. And he got more and more popular. And those the, those two worked together as partners for many, many years. And uh, Tiger's still a very good friend of mine. And mm-hmm. um, but uh, so he just my dad was never the biggest craft service guy in Hollywood by by any means. But he was always the one that you sure hoped would be on your movie set. Yeah, man. And so and that. I've become as well. Um, too, it's too late now. If you're not Yellowstone, you suck, suck. But uh, <laughs> but um, I just I had a knack for it too, man. When I started in the business in uh, 2010 mm-hmm. or 2009 ish, something around then, it just made sense to me, and I I got it, and I was really good at doing just the basic part. Uh, which is where so many craft service people fail. Uh, they forget the the basics of their job, and it's not about doilies and fresh baked cookies and chips and dip. It's about servicing the people that work on the show. And and number one is like water, dude, and coffee. Yeah, right. If, if you have, if you've got, Stuart can tell you this anytime. If you've got coffee and water and a trash can on set at crew call. You already beat seventy five percent of all the craft service people in the world. <laughs> I, I, I hate saying that because it makes it sounds bad, but so many there's great craft service people out there, but we're we're a small group, man. There's only a few of us, and yeah, and so many people got into craft service just so matter of fact, mm-hmm. and they were never actually trained how to do it. And there's just not a lot of people out there training people to do it. So they just kind of wing it, which is great if you know what you're doing. But, mm. but uh, you, I mean, I don't have to tell you, man. How many times have you gotten a set and asked where the coffee was and it wasn't ready? Yeah, dude, it's a big deal. I find that, put you in a real sour mood for the day. Yeah, man, I find that the the best craft service people that I've ever worked with, and there's only been a handful that I've ever worked with, are folks that 
uh, know kind of know what the fuck's going on, and they're aware of what's going on, and they understand what the day. Yeah, yeah, you understand the day. You understand, like, look, we're gonna be cramming for this amount of time. These guys are gonna be fucking hungry again. Or it would be really great for me to show up with something like this. And uh, right, and and again, that's great. Um, but you can literally get by on bananas and coffee and water if. If that's all you can pull off, at least pull that off perfectly. <laughs> I get you. You know, and, and what you know, it's easy to get sidetracked and get into. Well, I got to make this, and this actor asked for this, and it's always been something that I've been very good at. Is um, fuck that actor, dude. <laughs> I got to take care of the crew. And uh, again, guys like Stuart will, and any of my peers and and colleagues over the years will tell you, oh no, dude, Gator doesn't give a shit who you are. Um, <laughs> he, he feeds the crew and if that's it, that's, and then if you get, you're part of the crew too. So you get some also, yeah. but you don't get to, you know, get special treatment just cause you're an actor. And now I'm an actor too. So you could really screw off. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, are you looking for special treatment now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I just want to get freaking paid on time, dude. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah. I know what that's like too. <laughs> Um, that's cool, man. All right. So, so, okay. So beyond all of the, the, the fancy shit and you don't necessarily need to show up with a smoker and be making all this stuff. You, you really just, you know, that's just a bonus, bro. Like that's just something that I do that is not in any way required by my job, but it is how I keep my job security. I think for yeah, sure. Of course. But also it, again, it's, it's the basics that do it. That's what really gets people. That's what, when production actually trusts, trust you to do the job. Like, if, uh, and a lot of productions hate that I do all that cool stuff. Cause it, they just look at it like money and how much I'm spending, which <laughs> is a lot, but, uh, <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, what is, what is it? You know, it's so small. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it's just at the end of the row. Right. At the end of the day and the budgets that the, that these guys have for these shows, you know, I don't have a budget, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the, it's a conversation that Taylor Sheridan has with uh, the the production company every year, Paramount. Uh, before we start a show, it's now, guys. Be, before we start our meeting, and I, I always thought this was a joke, but I actually got to see it happen one time. It says, "Before we start your meeting, uh, let me let me clear the air here before you guys ask." Gator doesn't have a budget. Um, so that's why that's why it says that on the paper, and I'm not I'm joke I'm not joking I'm serious. He doesn't have a budget, so don't even ask. And uh, I love that, but uh, but also it's necessary to give somebody, you know, that's like putting chains on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why would you do that when you can just let this guy be awesome and do his thing, and don't don't slow him down. Let him let him rip. Yeah, man. I mean, and, and apparently, so how'd you get on the show? Were they, was he just inspired by you and the food that you cooked? And he's like, you got to be the fucking chef on the show. Like, how, how, how did that happen for you? I think he literally did say that to himself. But uh, <laughs> um, when I got to Yellowstone, it was an instant, it was an instant bond. Like, we just made sense together. And I think that he always knew that there was going to have to be somebody that played a chef mm -hmm. for the ranch. Somebody had to be the cook because, you know, it's a ranch and it's realistic. Um, and I think that he, whether he was actively looking or not, 
But I think when he met me and after a couple of weeks of watching me do what I do, uh, I think he already knew. He's like, oh, Gator's going to be the cook for the ranch. And he scribbled me onto a side of a uh, script one day. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, you're, you're, you got a scene today. I put you in the show. I was like, oh, okay, you know, cool. I've, I've, been, I've been in the background before. No big deal. <laughs> I, just, um, I just imagine that you're unpacking water bottles and setting up a trash can when he tells you this. You sort of look over your shoulder um, and go, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was literally probably taking trash out from Video Village. Uh, I, I probably had a big trash can, a trash bag full of coffee cups in my hand. <laughs> That's and uh, he scribbled me in. And then later in the day, the ADs came and got me. And they're like, hey, uh, Gator, you're, you're up in the next scene. So come on up. I was like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they like had me like go through the works and I was like, Oh, you guys want to put me through the works? And they, they didn't, they just looked at me and said, ah, you're good. Cause I don't think they knew either. <laughs> and, um, they had built this outdoor cook station for me outside of the bunkhouse mm-hmm. that is actually still there uh, to this day. Really? And he had the construction guys build it in like five hours so uh, it was still wet when I lit it up to cook on it. But uh, I was thinking, you know, okay, so the Cowboys are having lunch. They're sitting down. They're eating beans, whatever. And I'll just be in the back, you know, doing whatever. And But no, Taylor put a camera right in front of my face. Uh, and he said, okay, go. I said, okay, go. What do you mean, okay? I, I, I know I've only been doing this, you know. 14 years, but what? Uh, <laughs> and he goes, yeah. I was like, oh, well, what do you want me to do? He goes, I don't fucking know Gator. Just do Gator stuff. <laughs> and I said, all right. Gator stuff it is. Uh, so I just started chopping vegetables and making soup. I didn't know what else to do, so I, I just did that. That's awesome. And um, he's behind the camera, and I just hear out of the corner of my ear, I'm trying not to screw up, and he goes, Oh, fuck yeah. And I was like, what? Did I actually just do a good job? And he explained it to me later. He said, look, man, one of my biggest pet peeves in, in movies and television is is watching people in the background or foreground do regular tasks. Oh, dude. And it's fake. It's the and worst. Hates- it's the worst, man. It's the worst. And he says, Gator, I don't think you have a fake bone in your body, do you? And I was like, no, probably not, man. He goes, yeah, so... Um. Yeah. So you'll be doing this. So cool. <laughs> so cool. Were you nervous? <clears throat> um. Not really. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Sure. But then it was. Uh, the next time it happened was. Oh yeah, Gator. By the way, you're in the show again today, and this was season two. And I said, Oh, all right, cool, man. He goes, Yeah, you and Kev. And I said. Kev who? He says, Kevin. I said, Kevin Costner? And he goes, yeah. I was like, and who else? And he goes, just you and him, dude. And I was like, Taylor, you know I'm not an actor, right? And he goes, yep, I know, Gator. I said, all right. And uh, that was when I did the octopus scene with Kevin Costner. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that online. was absolutely terrifying. Really? Um, and because it's, uh, I'm in the dining room inside already uncomfortable because I don't go inside often. Uh, 
And then I'm I'm here with somebody that I've been watching on the silver screen since I was a child. I know, dude. Um, and then they're going to make me serve him freaking sea spider uh, <laughs> that he had never seen before. And so I set this big ass thing in front of him. And of course, the, our, our lovely prop department always makes sure to give me the heaviest, most bulky platters to set down on a table one handed. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, trying not to run over cameramen and lighting technicians yeah. uh, and not, you know, squash Kevin Costner. <laughs> and I set this damn octopus down in front of him. He had never seen it before. And so the reaction in the video is actually his first time seeing that, that grilled octopus. And he looked at me and he gave me this look and I, I almost couldn't, I couldn't contain myself because he looked at me like I just stepped on his kitty cat or something. Um, <laughs> he gave me this glare, man. And he goes, Gator, the fuck is this? And I, I you know, <laughs> that, that was, it was, it's tough. It was not easy to hold it together. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, cause you got Kevin Costner and it's, he's in real life in front of you, hitting you with one of his like trademark, like, pissed off glances how can you not react to that it was really uncomfortable yeah but, uh, hey, you know, we made it through it and and kevin and i have been real close ever since and i've been real close with the rest of the cast and the crew thankfully yeah man that's cool i mean and 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 that show was was fucking huge i i mean i've heard that 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 crew and all those folks there's a lot of people there to do yellow it stuff. started so nice and small um but no it's very big now yeah, I mean, our average crew size is over 300 every day. Good Lord. Good Lord. Yeah. And are you taking care of 300 for craft services? Got it, baby. Wow, man. That's insane. That's intense every day. A lot of work. <laughs> We're intense often, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so besides, you know, so you've got the basics down, right? You got the trash can set up. You got the water out there. You got some bananas on a table. But I'm sure at this point, how many seasons in are we on Yellowstone? That, you know, you're doing more than just banana and water bottles, right? <laughs> uh, well, t uh, ribeyes, uh, prime ribeyes are a snack on Yellowstone. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we eat uh, a lot. We eat all day. I And I was told by Taylor in the beginning, um, early on, after we after he learned who I was and I learned who he was, and after he decided that I would no longer be under the control constraints of a budget mm -hmm. um, he gave me a rule and he and i still there's two rules of yellowstone my friend mm -hmm. one is don't ever stop always more never less <laughs> and that one's from taylor sheridan <laughs> and the other one is from me and taylor sheridan is that's the number one rule of yellowstone is don't be a bitch dude <laughs> step it up yeah. no there's no complaining there's no whining you can do it. It's not going to help you. Right. Uh, but just don't just suck it up. We're all cowboys here together today. Girls, boys alike. Um, it, it, there's no, we don't have time for that attitude. Yeah. We don't have time to be Hollywood. We don't have time to be city. Um, we don't have time to be weak. You just have to go and do it. And, um, you know, if you come to my truck and I offer you a, a steak, just take the damn steak. Shut up. Because um, you may not get to eat again today, so you better take the steak. And um, luckily, we've surrounded ourselves with just the right people on Yellowstone over the years that um, that everybody pretty much follows those rules, man. That's so cool, man. 
And so just to clear it up, are you doing everything? So you're doing craft services and catering, or is there separate catering that do, does the meals and then you just texture in between the meals and do craft And now it's going gonna, it's gonna to start to get a little dangerous here. So okay. um, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> sometimes, uh, sometimes I do the catering. Uh, I've done it a few times here and there on Yellowstone. On some of the other shows, I've done the catering. Um, it works so much better that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, if we can get a competent film set caterer, uh, thank God, because I, I, anybody that can help feed more people is on my team. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not against you. I'm with you. And we've gone through a lot of caterers on Yellowstone, man. Yeah. Um, a lot. And all the other shows too. And it's a very political world we live in in the movie business. Yes, sir. And a lot of these big shot caterers have been around 30 years and they have the clout to stick around. Um, But unfortunately, in the last 10 years, catering on film sets has gone way downhill. Uh, What do you mean? And the quality and the the passion has just gone, gone away. When I first started in the business, you wanted to go to catering every day. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a good part of the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's, no, I do know. It's, this shit sucks, dude. Like it's not good anymore to find a great uh, film set caterer is, is very few and far between now they're out there. There's a couple of guys that I would always love to have around on our movie sets, but I, I don't know. It's just become so flooded with, with uh, mediocre or even worse yeah, um, yeah. food. Well, and we don't know anybody in the business knows it's a, it's a recurring thing. I don't know if they deal with this out in like LA uh, at stages. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I know on the road life is really tough out there and we've, we've seen some real bullshit, man. <laughs> so a lot of the times uh, I, I take, I end up picking up the slack, you know, and what am I supposed to do? Tell production to fire the caterer because their food sucks. Yeah. That's on you, bro. You're the one that's, they're the ones that want to spend that money on that. And, and if, and then of course, you know, you'll have these producers that, that hire these guys and then they come eat lunch with me. (laughs) Um, And, and then they'll agree that the food sucks. I was like, so why, why are you doing it? Why are you hiring them? Just, Hire me instead. I'll do it. Yeah. And uh, it's just a hard thing to do is break those old traditions of Hollywood of no, no, we hire the big caterers. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's a whole lot of back. There's a whole lot of backdoor handshake stuff going on. It's just really tough. And, and for a while there, I was dead set on taking all those guys down. Mike. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then I realized that there's better ways to do things. Yeah. Yeah. and if they want to suck, well, go ahead, man. Well, I mean, yeah, because you, you I mean, I, so look, yeah, like I said, we're in dangerous waters now. Sure, sure, uh, sure. Because it, we're, 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 we're calling to light some, some serious issues we've had in Hollywood over the last several years. So my experience with it. So my history is I'm a director and I started, I, I started on the East coast. So I was primarily directing for about, 17, 18 years on the East Coast. And so I would deal with caterers and those folks on that side. And and then we moved out here to Los Angeles 
um, like right before fucking COVID. So like my L yeah, yeah, dude. yeah, dude. yeah, dude. <laughs> so, so my, my, uh, LA directing adventures, of course have, it's, it's like trying to start a fucking, uh, like a 1980s pickup truck in a fucking winter morning. You know what I mean? It's like 1930s pickup truck. Yeah. So, <laughs> So yeah, that's my that's my career right now. <laughs> but um I've just with my experience on the East Coast is like half and half. It all really depends on the fucking producers too, right? So you show up and and they're very very much so, yes. Yeah, and they're bragging about their fucking craft services and you you go in there and it's like overcooked fucking chicken breasts that have been like wrapped in fucking tin foil all day and 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 like like wilted vegetables and overcooked pastas and and it's gross dude yeah right? man yeah man you know what i'll just not eat then thanks yeah, yeah exactly it's like him hemi is hemi whatever greens are still crisp in that thing let me walk away there's i look as i briefly said i love to cook for people too man and that's what i do and i love to put on barbecues and i and for me it's it's all about making people happy with food and you sort of look around you go okay what's the day going to be like what are we going to serve i'm not going to i'm not going to fucking throw heavy pasta down your fucking throat if it's 95 fucking degrees outside and it's it's a lot of it's an attitude man and it i hate to say it but there's there's something about that word that chef word that really um, is dangerous i think and i i tell a lot of people um be careful if somebody tells you that they're a chef it might be your first sign that they're not a great cook. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I hate that it has to come to this, but you're bringing it out of me, buddy. So it's cool. It's uh, fine. <laughs> and uh, like, I've seen caterers, I won't name any names cause it's happened to the best and the worst, but I've seen caterers like at one minute after crew call, um, like the executive producer will come up. He goes, Hey, can I get a, uh, can I get a, you know, breakfast BLT or whatever? Oh, sorry, man. Closed. What? What do you mean? Why are you closed? It's the this guy signs your check, bro. Yeah. Make him a damn sandwich. <laughs> and uh, or like you'll get uh, this has happened so many times. It happens to people all the time now. And they'll get like a piece of meat off the catering line, and they'll look at it and say, "Oh shit, this is still raw inside. This is this chicken's not done." And then they'll go to the caterer and say, "Hey man, um, this piece of chicken's you know not it's not cooked all the way. It's still raw." No, no, that chicken's cooked perfectly, bro. I don't know what you're, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, all my chicken's perfect. I was like, dude, just take the chicken back and give them a new piece. Like, <laughs> why are you making a big deal about this? You get paid either way, dog. Like, and they were nice enough to come tell you yeah. that, you know, they could have just immediately went to talk shit about you in front of everybody. Yeah. And uh, like, don't get me wrong, dude. It's happened to me. Yeah, right. I've had people come up to me and say, Hey Gator, I think you need to let the chicken go a little bit longer. Oh man, no problem. I'll, I'll make sure all the chickens goes five minutes extra now. Yeah. 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 And I don't know why you would, I don't know why it's always got to be such a fight, man. Just do the job. And if you, if you don't want to do the job, don't take it. And then don't complain to me that, well, they didn't give me enough money to do this. Well, you took the job anyways, dude. So what? Yeah. Right. Right. You, you couldn't said yes. do it for that number. You should have not done it. Yeah. He said, yes. I, I don't want to hear excuses anymore. I just want people to do their jobs. Yeah. 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 It's tough sometimes, man. It's I tough had to sometimes. do mine yeah. and I worked for my dad. So don't, I don't want to hear anybody complain. <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? 
<laughs> uh, I, well, I don't know anybody. I, I don't know who out there has worked with their parents before, but it can be really rough. Yeah. Um, and me and my dad worked just me and him for many years. Uh, Stuart will tell you he was there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was he was not easy on me. In fact, he was harder on me than everyone. So really, why? why, why do you, had, what do you mean? Give me I an had, example. Give me an example of it. When I was only allowed to do the basics and like I couldn't out he didn't let me touch the food. I didn't get to make sandwiches. He did all the cooking and I did on set operations. I would run the food out, I would keep the craft service cards clean, I would keep everything stocked and organized, I would load the coolers, I would do the trash. And like I can remember a lot of times him coming out. This is before we had anything fancy. And he'd come out to, you know, the, the air pots that everybody still has that I would never use anymore. But the little where you push, push the, the pump down and it pumps out coffee. <laughs> uh, and, uh, of course, the dreaded uh, gurgling sound is what you never want to hear when it's out. <laughs> so I, I moved past that issue quickly. But you got to make sure all your stuff's the right temperature and, and enjoyable for everybody. And he'd come out and he'd taste all my coffees on, on set to check my work. And, uh, if the coffee didn't burn his tongue, then I, I, I failed at my job. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I remember AirPods flying across the parking lot more than once, uh, <laughs> in a fit of rage because my dad did this alone for so many years. So when he saw, you know, me as his kid doing it and, 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 messing up he 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 was very passionate about it so we got we'd get into screaming matches and we'd fight and then we finally came to an agreement after a, a year or two uh, i said look man we got to check all our emotions at the door i'll i'll do all this but we we can't be fighting on set anymore and and we we got to find a way around this and we we agreed to leave check our bags at the door every day before work and mm -hmm. we didn't make it personal it was strictly business and uh, we built a, a, a very, very strong bond and a very strong company out of that. But yeah, he 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 was hard. <laughs> he was. Hard. We called it Cajun boot camp. <laughs> what what did many, you? Many, many did not survive Cajun boot camp, but <laughs> a couple of us did. Well, did, did did you get along with your dad before all that stuff? Were you guys were you, uh, you guys close? My dad and I always been super tight, and uh, yeah, my my dad and I were, were inseparable most of the time. And was he, uh, was he before he got into craft service stuff, was he cooking all the time? Like where, where did the food come from? And did he learn it after craft services or, or was it, was he always cooking around the house? I think he mostly bluffed his way through all of it, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, he started in the restaurant business when he was very young. Uh, by the time he was 14, he was a manager at a pizza restaurant in Lafayette, Louisiana. Wow. Uh, and, he went on to work in many different restaurant fields, uh, never very rarely in the kitchen, but management and food service. Uh, he was in the hospitality industry. He was a maitre d' for a while. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we just grew up around a lot of food in South Louisiana like that. So it just came naturally to him. He, and he knew how to cook some things really well. He, he, he knew how to screw him up, too, though. <laughs> All 
gang. It's time to take a hot second. I want to talk about the men and women that support the show. I'm talking about the sponsors. And don't skip ahead. Please don't, right? Because I'll talk about a bunch of shit as we go through this. I'll keep it interesting for you. First up, supporting the show are our friends over at Puget Systems. Now, here's what's exciting about Puget Systems. I just got the approval. Puget Systems is the official sponsor of our adventure in FilmQuest. So Puget Systems is going to uh, be out there. They're going to sponsor us. Uh, they're putting us up in this epic Airbnb, which I'm going to turn into a filmmaker's Airbnb. There's going to be a bunch of folks there. I'm going to be recording podcasts throughout the week. I'm going to be there for a while in Provo, Utah. Your boy may come back Mormon by the time he's done with the, with the adventure out there. Um, and uh, Puget Systems has also sponsored our line of t-shirts that I'm doing specifically for the festival that we're giving out to guests and stuff. And I may have a few left over for some of the super fans of the show. So definitely keep your eyes peeled. And um, Puget Systems is also sponsored. So when I release the Come Home trailer, there'll be a sponsor on that. I think I'm going to do a live on Instagram if I haven't done so already. If I've already done it and this episode comes out after, uh, you'll find that on my Instagram at Mike Petchy. But I think I'm going to do a live in which I show you how I used the Puget system to edit the Come Home trailer and might even be able to get a couple extra little peeks at the film itself. Um, but speaking of which, if you're in the market for a new computer and you want to build uh, an edit system, Puget System is the place to go. Go to PugetSystems.com and choose a computer based upon the software you're going to use. And if you click on that, you'll notice that they say, hey, talk to one of our representatives, talk to one of our consultants, because they want to build you a machine that no one else has. They want to build you something custom. They believe in creating tools that work for you. PugetSystems.com is the place to go if you're a small production company, or not, not even a small, even a larger post-production company, and you've decided that it's time to upgrade your computers, and you're, you're just tired of the big boys, right? You're tired of how much money you're spending on them, and you just throw these fucking things out after a while, and they become useless. Puget Systems will help you build multiple edit uh, setups, for your space, get them all to talk to each other. And what's even crazy about it is that on a PC using the right software, very inexpensive stuff, you can read and write to Apple Mac drives. That's crazy. So that means if you're dealing with subcontractors, maybe your sound guys are all on Mac, maybe your graphics guys are all on Mac, maybe your 3D folks are all on Mac, you can still write and read to the drives that work for them. You can't do it the other way around, but on a PC, you can do that. So uh, integrate seamlessly into your current workflow without a problem, workflow without a problem. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't say enough great stuff. Link is in the description of the episode. Click it right now. Puget needs to know that you are listening. So click it right now. They will uh, see that you're listening to the show um, and continue to sponsor us. That's important. Also supporting the show, our friends over at Fujifilm. Fujifilm is the, right now, Fujifilm camera is uh, what I have sitting right here next to my, Jesus Christ, let me start over again. My, my, this is what happens when you're hungover. Your brain goes too quick for your lips, right? <laughs> so what I'm trying to do is type so I can pull something up on the screen. And I'm also trying to keep ahead of, uh, you know, 
my brain with my mouth and I, I just fucked it all up. I destroyed it. I just destroyed it. And what, you, what you're hearing right now is your boy buying time, right? Because he didn't pull, he didn't pull the uh, website up before he started to talk about the sponsor. And the reason why I'm pulling the website up is that Fujifilm has a new GFX 100. So it's the GFX 102 camera. And G and I have been using the GFX 100S, which we love. But what's going on with the new rig here? Hold on. More than full frame, new beginnings don't start with taking new steps. They start with moving in new direction. And every new GFX system camera has taken a direction that has redefined what it means to be more than full frame. Interesting. From its unparalleled image quality to its overall mode here we go mobility there you go michael the boundaries of the large format imaging have continually been reimagined with every new iteration can't believe i got through that gfx 102 continues this tradition by bringing an unprecedented high speed performance expanded video capabilities and lightning fast autofocus their autofocus is crazy uh, a growing list of accolades that professionals everywhere have come to rely on from the GFX system cameras. Um, so discover the new opportunities with the GFX 102, which I'm pumped about. High speed, 102 megapixel sensor. It's got an X processor 5 in it. The autofocus is insane, man. So the X processor 5 features subject detection autofocus which delivers an autofocus performance previously unseen on a large format camera by using this deep learning ai technology it's in your cameras now it's advanced autofocus tracking and detection not only works on human faces and eyes but also animals birds cars motorcycles bicycles airplanes and trains with such power on tap photographers can concentrate on creativity and be confident that the GFX 102 will produce an autofocus performance that will match their creativity. Super rad stuff. High performance, high speed. So eight frames per second, high speed bursts for stills at, at large format. It's pretty nuts. Um, 120 frames per second display frame rate and, bo and boost mode. Uh, it's cool, man. I'm just going through here and looking at all this stuff. I haven't got my hands on it yet, but I'm sure at some point I will, man. ISO 80 standard sensitivity. By improving the pixel structure in the new sensor, standard sensitivity has been extended to ISO 80. Now photographers can make 16-bit images with a wider dynamic range and lower noise than ever before. I am excited about this new GFX 102. Um, click the link in the description of this episode and check out what I'm reading about, man. This camera's awesome. If it's anything like the GF, the uh, GFX 100S, if it's better than that, it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be a game changer, man. So Fujifilm sponsoring the show, love those guys. Uh, also sponsoring the show, our friends over at Boca Rentals. If you are um, a filmmaker or a cinematographer, you know the deal, man. It's important for you to make a relationship with your local rental company. And if you're in Los Angeles or uh, Las Vegas, Boca Rentals is the place to go. These guys, their inventory uh, is insane. The camera support systems they have, the cameras they have, the lenses, the lenses. 
the lenses. Go to Boca Rentals. Check them out, bocarentals.com. Or they're also on Instagram at Boca Rentals. And uh, they're a great company, man. And if you use them, if you hang out with them, you go over there, maybe you get some training, maybe you're just testing some gear, uh, tell them that I sent you and you'll be part of the club. Say that you listen to In Love With The Process and you'll probably get some, you'll get some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, also, supporting the show, let's see who else. Oh, yes. Our boys at uh, Black Magic and uh, Da Vinci Resolve. Uh, if you guys are uh, editors, video editors, if you're filmmakers, you know the power of color grading. It's pretty epic. And in my hands right now, I'm staring at the DaVinci Resolve macro panel or micro panel. I still have to hook this thing up. I'm excited. It's a control surface that you can use to help make your life easier when using DaVinci Resolve for color grading. Now, for those of you who listen to the show and don't work in filmmaking, what is color grading? There are entire episodes that I've done. Go back and look. I've had colorists on the show, but essentially, it's the polishing of the image. It's when you make all those colors look really nice. It's when you can power window down or select a very specific part of the frame and just change the brightness of that frame or maybe add like a vignette or maybe track someone's face with this crazy tracking software and remove some of the blemishes on their cheek or uh, it's, it's just... And the thing that's crazy about Resolve is that it seems to be at the forefront of all this new stuff, integrating all sorts of different like AI plugins to make things easier, make selections easier, but also like being able to work with mixed formats. I mean, I've been using Adobe stuff for quite some time, but I have to say, you guys got to catch up, man, because Resolve and DaVinci Resolve is at the forefront of it all. So I'll put a link in the description of the episode. Definitely check them out. We're excited to have uh, Blackmagic Design back as a sponsor on the show. They make great cameras too. Um, I still have uh, my 6K Pro, but I also use as well. And I look, brand loyalty. I'm loyal to companies that support us. I am loyal to companies that support me as a filmmaker and understand the power of making tools for me. I will never tell you to just use a specific brand. Um, but I do use all these different companies. I do use all their stuff consistently to make my work. It's affordable and it's smart. Um, I think I got everybody. Okay, finally, um, if you are a newcomer to the show and you want to listen to more food episodes of our podcast, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. If you go there on our uh, the top of the page on our, our menu selection, we have a few places that you can look. Our love sandwich section is growing. We're doing love sandwich episodes, and those will be all up there as well as some recipes. And then if you click on ILWP episodes and go down to the chef's section, um, you'll see all sorts of podcasts with amazing chefs uh, and the folks that support chefs. Uh, uh, all Things Barbecue, Tom Jackson is a great episode. That's episode 81. I have to have Tom back on because him and I get along really well too. Um, but I highly suggest it. So go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. All right. Let's get back to the show.
what about you, man? How did you get into food? Was it just through your dad, or were you into food on your own before that? I had always been surrounded by it, man. And if looking back now, uh, I definitely can look back now at like old pictures and stuff and talk about old stories that uh, I didn't know then, but know now that I was on a I was on a trajectory to be where I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you but, uh, do you still like it? Do you still like doing food? Um, I'll always feed people. It's just something I'm always going to do for the rest of my life. It, I, I don't know how not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we always, my dad always cooked around the house and we'd grill and, and he'd make gumbo and mock shoe and, mm-hmm. you know, some of the older Cajun dishes and we'd boil seafood. And uh, my dad was uh, a big foodie like me, especially for Cajun food. Mm-hmm. And we, we'd come down to Louisiana in the summers and we'd just drive around all day eating. Yeah. We'd, we'd, we'd drive from one boudin shop to the next and we'd drive from one po' boy shop to the next and we'd just eat all day. Probably super unhealthy, but boy, it was fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I know so what it's like. My dad liked to eat a lot. Like that was his thing. He liked it. He liked good food, and and that's where I got that from. And I think um, eating is an essential part of cooking. If, mm-hmm. if you don't like to eat, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, man. Uh, my mom was always uh, a cook. She cooked at home a lot. Uh, we cooked when we camped all the time. We always went camping in the summers. Mm-hmm. So we. We cooked a lot outdoors. And then, of course, on my dad's side of the family, um, just the, some of the best cooks I've ever encountered. Uh, my grandmother was as good as they come. My aunts uh, are all great cooks. And um, my ancestors before that were all known to be extremely good cooks, too. Yeah. So it definitely it definitely has – there's some genetics in there, I think, for sure. For sure, man. I, I feel like a lot of that stuff gets passed. Like, my dad was a great cook. You know, like it, 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 like I grew up the same way with us. It was anytime we did anything as a family, we'd wake up in the morning and go, what are we eating today? That was usually the first question that we would ask. And, you know, uh, especially with the Cajun foods, uh, I tell people this a lot. And that's that if you haven't had something cooked the correct way, like especially a, a, a cultural dish like that. Mm-hmm. There's no way that you're going to be able to make it the correct way. Right. You might be able to pull it off and it might be okay, but it's not going to be the real deal. Right. And so I was very fortunate enough to have eaten uh, some of the most traditional and right, perfectly cooked Cajun food that has ever been. So from Cajun cuisine, what's your favorite? What's your favorite? Like, what's the thing? Like, you've had a shit fucking day and you're like, I'm, I'm going to go eat something that makes me feel good. Like, what are you going for? Well, some of the things don't exist anymore. They they went with my grandmother, unfortunately, but I can still taste them like I'm like they're right here in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she used to make this meatball stew. Damn, uh, mm-hmm. it was just like brown gravy and meatballs over rice. But uh, damn so, it, it was good. Uh, I so wish good. I could figure out how to recreate it, but I, I don't know yet. <laughs> Um, and then, but all the, all of like the crab stew and etouffee, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's my favorite. Uh, well, I remember we, when we used to do a a crab boil during the season, Mm -hmm. we would, we would sit there after we boiled crabs, you know, we'd eat all the, the hot boiled crabs and then you'd have your leftovers and I'd sit at the kitchen counter with my grandmother and my dad and we'd, we'd clean the crabs, we'd process them. And I remember she'd. 
for every one I did, she'd do four and they'd be perfectly clean. Not one little piece of meat left on them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do that so fast. Um, and then we'd say, you know, we'd help her process the meat so that she could make a crab stew. Mm -hmm. But also bonus is the next morning for breakfast, we'd get some, some locally made white sliced white bread. You know, we had this great white bread in South Louisiana called Evangeline made mm -hmm. and, get some Hellman's mayonnaise and we'd spread it on the bread and we'd load it up with fresh picked crab meat. And then we'd put a little bit of Tony's on top and that would be our breakfast. Me and my daddy, we'd eat a crab meat sandwich. Oh, sounds awesome. dude. Ooh. And look, nothing, nothing on there, but crab meat and mayonnaise and a little bit of Tony's and, Golly, man. man. See, I'm all hung yeah. over this morning. You're making me fucking hungry. I've never had a better sandwich than that. <laughs> I'm starving now. <laughs> yeah, you'll get that with me. Yeah. See, but but, but look, that that grandmother stuff is 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 great, right? Because infused with that food are these memories, man. Are are, are those like those comfort memories? I had the same thing with my grandmother, and and she used to just do the the best basic apple pie. And I remember when I was a kid, she she knew that I loved them so much. So anytime I would see her, she'd make them and she'd had like this beautiful dish and that this little porcelain uh, crow that would go in the center of it. And like it was just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. And I wasn't old enough when she sat me down and she's like, I'm going to teach you how to make this. And so I remember the day and I remember going through the process of, of doing it with her, but I didn't keep track of any of it. And it fucking kills me. Because I like I have a, such a love for her apple pie, and I, you know, it's one of those things where like you're, you know, you're chasing your fucking whale. You know what I mean? You're like, where, where who, who, who makes this apple pie? And you're like, I don't even know if it tastes that way. I don't know if it's just memory and emotion that makes it taste that way. But I fucking miss it, man. I think for sure uh, a lot of it's emotion, and I think people forget that that food is yeah, food is a huge emotion. Like it's it's a celebration of, of life and, and, and friends and family. And, uh, if you're not getting that out of your food, man, why are you even eating? Ugh, there's nothing worse than getting a plate from someone that is like screaming and has all this anxiety and their concern. And they hand you this fight. It might be the most beautiful looking fucking plate, but you go and you start chewing on it. You're like, I taste all the anger that you were putting into this thing. God damn, man. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's the the best way to show love. I love food for for it for meeting people for the first time. It's the best thing to do if you're meeting someone for the first time is cook them a meal. It just breaks down all walls and like even language barrier. I, I shot a whole movie in a language I don't speak, and I fed yeah. those guys. And it's like I don't need to say it in your language when I hand you a plate. You're understanding that it's nourishment. There's a level of love and respect that went into this plate. And let's sit well, down and do it together. Something my grandmother always told me and my daddy is, you eat with your eyes first. Yeah. So if you uh, if you come up to a place where you're going to eat, yeah, I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but when I go out to eat somewhere or eat with somebody, you're under you're under review before I even get to your house, dude. Like <laughs> as I'm pulling up in your driveway, I'm already assessing the situation to see how this meal is going to go. <laughs> and um, That's but true. like you said, with the with the with the language barrier, and I encounter this often. I, I deal with a, a, a lot of people that don't speak English and yep. uh, travel the country and uh, get to feed all sorts of great people. But if you present yourself in a 
positive way. Mm-hmm. And then I present these people with a bowl of whatever I'm serving. They can see right away. Oh, this guy looks nice. Um, <laughs> and then they'll look at the dish and be like, yeah, that looks like something I'd definitely eat. So they just, yes. Okay. I eat this. And they, and of course, uh, s- silence is a very, very powerful yeah. uh, thing. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you got real quiet eating, it's, uh, I'm doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. They're going places. They're on a, they're on a, they're on a trip to another dimension if they're quiet. <laughs> That's cool, man. Um, all right. So let's say that it's, it's fucking Friday, right? You're getting prepped. It's Friday. You, you've done a whole week of work on a, on a shoot. You've got 300 people on your crew. What's your plan? What time do you wake up and what's your plan of, of attack for the day? Well, as you know, there's no designated wake up time. <laughs> it's true. But on, uh, if history serves itself, I probably uh, started my day at five o'clock PM. Mm-hmm. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. And we, we do Friday days on Yellowstone and all our other shows. What is that? What, what, what do you mean? Friday days? What does that mean? That's when you work Friday well into Saturday. <laughs> That's, that's when you see the the sunrise on Saturday, and then a little more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Friday, you know, uh, you know, honestly, as the years go by, Mike, I, I I try not to do those hard nights anymore. It's just too. It's it just kicks my ass too much. I've been doing it for fifteen years. I don't need to do that many anymore. Yeah. yeah. But um, if it was a regular Friday, man. You know, get to work, uh, put on some great tunes in the morning. Uh, you know, maybe keep it real light on Friday. I I, I try to have a uh, a good time on Friday, and not you know they already ate a lot this week, and then I uh, I'll always make sure to plan a big big supper, and I'll try and get everybody fed nice and early to uh, help encourage uh, going home. Yeah, it's a big project of mine every Friday to try and try and help encourage us to go home early. <laughs> Um, and, uh, between you and me, I've, I have called rap on a show before because it was too much. Really? I, it was a, a great, a great one. It was on 1883. A, a good buddy of ours, Chris Carroll was the first AD that night. And, uh, we were shooting, uh, one of our, one of our last days on 1883. And it was this huge scene. We had two units. We had 700 people out there. Um, and we were shooting a, a sexy scene uh, in a in a teepee somewhere, okay. and uh, and we were just I mean we had been shooting this damn scene for like four and a half hours, dude, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like hour sixteen or something. And I go I go on the radio, and I said, Chris, Chris Carroll, come in, Chris Carroll, and there's this is a huge set. This is like you know four or five hundred people left still, mm-hmm. and he goes, Is this? is this Gator? And I said, yeah, it's Gator. He goes, Oh, what's up, dude. This is on channel one in front of the whole crew. (laughs) I said, Chris, I'm out of food. I'm out of steaks. And now I'm out of bourbon. It's time. It's time to wrap, dude. You're done. (laughs) And still to this day, like it's some people's favorite thing that's ever happened because dude, this is 1883. I've done, uh, this is my fifth, sixth show with, with this group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is day like, you know, a hundred <laughs> let's wrap, bro. It's Friday night. I'm done. I'm out of bourbon. I'm out of steaks. 
There's no reason for me to be here anymore. Let's go. And this dude called rap, which was super <laughs> awesome. Uh, but um, that's it, dude. Uh, Friday Fridays are for keeping keeping it people happy, man. And and I don't just serve food. I serve an experience. I serve good times and. And uh, I want people to be able to to come and and get away from set and be in, they come hang out in my kitchen and get good tunes. We might have a cocktail or something, and yeah, um, yeah, because I I don't have to follow the rules, bro. I can do whatever I want. Well, that's what, that, that was where I was going to go to next, man. I mean, obviously, uh, your personality, your a comf- your source of comfort, right? Because yeah. you're you're serving this food and stuff, and then. You're enough of a personality that, you know, like a big time director walks over to you and goes, you're going to be in the fucking show because, you know, you're you. And then when you're on there, he's like, just do you, you know, and that that makes him real happy. So well, thank God he didn't make me do something else. I would have really dropped the ball. What could have been that sexy teepee tent? You never know. <laughs> well, okay, without that, I'd definitely drop the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, you must have, you know, and I'm sure you tread lightly because we're recording, but... You must have some fucking fun ex- adventure stories because when you're working on a film set, and for many people who haven't done it, I fucking love it. It's the best thing in the world. It's the most romantic fucking thing. It can be the most stressful thing, but when it's right, it's you're on this fucking mission with these people that become your brothers and sisters. And Absolutely. there's such a strong fucking bond that happens through that process. And then you go on these crazy, like no one ever gets to go to these locations and batshit fucking adventures and you get to hang out with people that you grew up admiring on television and so you you must have some fucking awesome adventure stories with people man yeah uh some of them that are nsfw for sure buddy uh-huh, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, no we got some you know it's always been great and then yellowstone's super special because i've been working with some of the same people for over six years now yeah it's crazy that, uh, that are part of my family you know and uh yeah, there's some good stories. We've gotten into some pretty good trouble. Yeah, is there any PG uh, G stories that that come to mind that you can say on the air that uh, won't won't get you into shit? Probably not. Yeah, uh, but probably so. Anyways, <laughs> no, you know it's been fun. Um, me and some of the boys have gotten into some shenanigans. Me and Cole Hauser always have a good time. We we've commonly seen the sun rise together. Um, that the uh, the code word is they'll send a, a PA down to my kitchen uh-huh, uh-huh. and uh, the, they'll, they'll always send like a really random PA that doesn't know what the hell's going on. And they'll come up. Hey, uh, are you Gator? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Cole, Cole Hauser um, sent me down and said he wanted a coffee with honey. And I was like, uh-huh. And they're like, but he said that you have to make it. Ah, uh-huh. I see. Uh, and they'll be like, I don't really know what that means. I was like, just stand, uh, just stand right there. Okay. Just hang on. And, uh, and then I'll give them, I'll, I'll make them the drink, but then I'll also make them four other drinks. And they'll be like, Oh, I just need the one. I was like, no, you don't make sure you give one of these to Forey and Luke Grimes. And then this guy in this department. And they're like, what? Oh, they all ordered one. Just, just, just go take the take the damn take the damn drinks up there. <laughs> uh, coffee with honey, obviously, is cup of whiskey translation. Yeah. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. Oh, I love that man. I love that stuff. It's so. I've, I've only I've only gotten in trouble a couple times for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Very rarely on Yellowstone. I mean, what we had we had to carry Luke Grimes home one night, but I don't think that was all my fault. 
<laughs> he, may, he may have instigated that one on his own. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of really cool dudes on that show too, man. Cole's he always seems like he's a cool fucking guy, and he was great on that fucking show, man. He was fantastic. Really great. The worst public speaker I've ever seen, but he's really great on the show. <laughs> what, is, what is that? What does never that mean? Somebody, never seen somebody freeze up in front of a crowd so so bad <laughs> and be such a huge a huge actor over the years. But hey, you know, everybody's got their talents, I guess. <laughs> So uh, you've been on all sorts of crazy shoots as far as locations and, and stuff like that. Is it, What was your favorite spot that you've been? Like, where's your favorite location? Darby, Montana. I've never, Absolutely. I've never been. I've always wanted to go. I've always wanted to go. I mean, of all the places, I can't think of – look, I, I try to have a really good time everywhere I go and, and enjoy all the great places that my job has taken me. Mm-hmm. Like, I worked with Stuart up in Pittsburgh for – a almost 12 months that was mine that was mine hunter that you guys were mine hunter season one man and yeah. like i almost moved to pittsburgh like i loved it up there i had such a good time i loved the people i loved the food um what were you eating in pittsburgh way too much pizza but uh <laughs> uh i enjoyed everything there's some great restaurants up there there's a couple great like uh there's like a an Argentinian barbecue restaurant up there. That's really good. Mm-hmm. There's some great steak houses. Um, I finally, finally understood pepperoni rolls by the time I was out of there. <laughs> I ate a ton of those mm-hmm. um, really good time. There's a great drinking scene in Pittsburgh too. And you know, obviously, obviously me, I don't drink. I only had one beer one time and didn't even like it, but uh <laughs> Are you being serious? <laughs> no, no, totally full of script. Okay, um, I'm just checking. I didn't know. Just, in case, just in case my mom's watching, not listening. It's, mom, I don't. I I don't drink. I never do drugs. No, I don't. I don't even party at all. <laughs> never in my life. <laughs> never in my life. That was everybody else. It wasn't me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just there. I was there to drive him home. I was there to hang out. That's pretty much. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I was the designated driver. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, all, I've tried to enjoy everywhere. Um, I got, I worked in Hawaii for a while and that was the worst place ever, but all, you know, all the memories are good. Like thinking back to how, what a tough time we had there, you know, you, sometimes the hardest, the hardest jobs are the ones you make the best memories on. For, you, for sure, dude. A hundred percent. I think some of my worst gigs, some of the ones that like beat the shit out of me. The ones you talk about the most. Yeah, man. And you talk about fondly. It's like I almost yeah. I almost died on that fucking shoot. Yeah, it's like God damn. Yeah. And then you and then you talk to your friends that were there with you and you laugh and you have a good time. Yeah, it's like it's like, you know, serving in the military <laughs> to a certain exactly. extent, you know? Exactly. But um no, Montana takes a big W, my friend. Yeah. Um, I had never been to Montana before. I didn't know shit about Montana. I, it just was off my radar, you know, which is as it was for most people not long ago. Yeah. Um, except for, you know, cowboys and super rich. Yeah. Right. Now everybody, the bag, cat's out of the bag, dude. Like everybody knows about Montana, but I remember the first time I got there and, uh, I was just, I was taken back, man. I was, I was, I was, I, I, my whole life changed as soon as I stepped foot in Montana forever. I gotta go. It's just, I mean, besides the fact that it's just epically gorgeous, like consistently, you know? Yeah. Go to, go to Darby mm-hmm. um, and just go anywhere you'd like and just tell him Gator sent you and uh, you'll be you'll be okay. Hells yeah. 
Hells yeah. Uh, I, they don't they don't accept outsiders into that community, um, hardly ever. Mm-hmm. But they accepted me in, um, and they just call me. They just call me a local. Like they assume that I just am always there because I am. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been a real honor to for such a, a small, hard headed redneck community to invite me into their group and let me be part of their their family you know yeah it's cool man that's very cool are they is, is yellowstone still going are you guys is there another season going or is that show done we owe everybody a half season of yellowstone we owe everybody season five part two right um right. we will do it but we aren't doing it right now right 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 yeah well hopefully everything gets so we'll, well unfortunately with the strike still not quite over um, we're not going to get to it this year, um, especially because it's already started to snow in Montana. And if you didn't notice, it doesn't snow in Yellowstone. Never has. Well, so that's interesting. That's interesting. I think, I think we have two scenes in the snow in Yellowstone o- over the last six, five seasons. So, but uh, yeah, we owe a half season of that. But uh, in no way is uh, it all over. There's there's spinoffs and there's side stories and there's continuations and there's prequels. There's, there's a lot coming still. Yeah. 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 We are not ah, super cool, man. It's super cool. Like it, there's a sense of, cause we've all been locked up at this point, you know, with the strikes and everything. So there's a sense of envy and you're just like, man, I just want to get the fuck out there and start shooting again and, and go on these adventures. And one of the things that uh, uh, I've been known for, and I've been doing it for years, and and uh, I don't think Stu and I have done it yet. But uh, back when I would do music videos all the time, I used to have to, you know, basically jump to wherever the artist was to shoot music videos and do that kind of stuff in right. a different area. Because you don't want to rely on a musician to come to you. I sure, promise. Sure, sure, sure. So then, so so uh, my I miss him too. My my uh, my first assistant and uh, my buddy Tony, who was my assistant for like seven years. I I, I love that kid and. Uh, his when he started working with us, his first job, I would say to him like, "Okay, we're going to random podunk wherever the fuck we're headed." I said, "Your job is make me a list, make me a list of like the shittiest dive bars that are in this space of the the best, uh, you know, unspoken speakeasy stuff. Make me a list of all the stuff that's there. And what we'll do is we'll go, we'll work real hard for two days or three days." And then we'll, I'll book it out so we'll, we can be there for another two days. And in those two days afterwards, we'll go on what I call a bar safari. And so the rules of bar safari were this. We make a list. We go to the first bar. and We sit down. And we try to do it early in the week so we can get into wherever the fuck we want. And the bartenders aren't that busy. So you can actually have a conversation with locals and bartenders when you walk in. And the, the rules were like, you go in with your list, you talk to the bartender, you tell them what you're doing, and you ask for their list. And then you throw out the list that you started with. And then you just continue that way all day. And so you, you end up hitting like 10 bars, 11 bars throughout the city, and you meet r- really fucking rad people. And then you end up in weird fucking places, man. You end up like in a closed up speakeasy that no one's opened the door for in like the past 30 years. And the bartender pulls like this creepy key out of the back of the bar and, and you get on there and you hang out there. It's just the coolest fucking thing in the world, man. I love ad- adventuring through the country and even internationally. I've done it in Italy and uh, different places. I love bar safaris. They're the best thing in the fucking world, man. Two things. Mm-hmm. One, 
you and I would really have a good time together. Um, <laughs> I, mean, that is, I literally just do that like as that's not even like an activity for me. It's just a regular behavior. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I'm really good at that, like talking to locals and yeah. and and navigating bars and restaurants. Like I don't know of many restaurants that I actually like that I didn't end up in in the kitchen going through the Go, entering through the back door within my first or second time going there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and second, how have you not done this with Stuart? This is totally his thing. <laughs> I feel like it just, we, uh, we. I think we kind of, st- I mean, we do mini ones. They're never really like the official full throttle. And I, I always feel like the best way to do it, like I have, I've been, I've been threatening to do an official one through Los Angeles. I haven't done one through LA, but I mean, I've been going and drinking everywhere. There's apparently... Speaking of which, there's apparently like the secret bar in some dude's basement out here that I'm trying to get into and do it that way. And like, but I love doing it in like strange fucking spots, like going to a spot that I've never been to before, like going to Madison, Wisconsin and and doing one through Madison was fucking amazing. Uh, Chicago is amazing for that. Uh, you know, uh, like obviously like San Francisco, any of the major cities are really great for, but you'd be surprised at like upstate New York, like really odd places. Some of the the really weird Midwest cities and up North too, you'll find some weird stuff like that. Yeah. Dude, totally. Like Detroit, Detroit was, and I, I haven't done Detroit in like six, seven years. And back then we were doing it when like one side of the street was, houses the other side of the street were burnt out houses and then you walk into someone's they're living in an area where they're the cops and the firefighters literally knocked on their door and said look we're not protecting this zone anymore and these people are in there running restaurants out of their houses and brothels out of their houses from what i from what i've heard detroit's had a bit of a rebirth recently though for sure man they all went in there and bought it up and it's being like definitely I, I don't even know if gentrification is the right way of saying it. They they just have gone in there and really started to build it out. It's it, I love that city as far they, as they did that in Pittsburgh uh, several years ago, uh, and I think Detroit's part of that project. And that they, they're trying to rebuild the Rust Belt. You know? Yeah, right. Because once all those factories went out of business, what the fuck else were they doing there? Yeah, you know, yeah. They got to do something to save these historic cities. You know? Yeah, for sure, man. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely should hang out. <laughs> we should get together. We should do a bar okay, safari. You're, you're in LA? Yeah, man. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Texas, but I'm in LA every once in a while. Oh, dude. Next time you're in fucking LA, we will go out. And it's funny because I, I, I'm out of touch with Los Angeles a lot. Um, and it's funny. I grew up there, but I left before I would turn 21. Ah. Well, I didn't get to go to a ton of bars there. Like, you want to go to the San Fernando Valley and check out all the dive bars? I can do that, but outside of that, I I just haven't done a, a lot of uh, bars there. So it'd be really fun. Yeah, dude, there's a lot of really good spots out here. And and when I moved out here, I was very much an East Coast kid, right? So I grew up in Boston. I lived in Boston for years. I lived in New York for years. And when I was working out there, it was I was very much like fuck the West Coast. I'm like, we could do it here. We're going to do it great. We're going to do all that shit. And I, of course, there's a glass ceiling, and I had to make the jump, but uh, when I came out here, I had a real bad attitude about it. 
And I'm just like, fuck. All right. Yeah, you'll get that from the East Coast. Yeah, man. We we were we're born with that. I feel like you know the one thing I that think it goes both ways though. Um, the same thing growing up on the West Coast, you think, oh, everybody on the East Coast is just a bunch of assholes. Yeah, and it's it's not the case either way. Yeah, 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 man. I was so surprised out here. I was completely surprised by the food scene. I think the food scene out in Los Angeles is like fucking amazing. Like the- well, it's just there's so much and there's so many different cultures and you got the best Mexican food. So, dude, and Korean food, Vietnamese food, like the 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 food. I, I mean, the stuff that's lacking out here is Italian. I'm an Italian kid, so the the Italian food out here, I'm you like, know, no Italians out there. No, it's in like you know the actors out here are like you gotta have this fucking Italian food. You show up and like it's sixty dollars for three meatballs and you're like, what the? Fuck? Uh, I can give you a recommendation if you want some homestyle Italian cooking. I only know of one place. Oh yeah, and that's in Burbank. It's oh. called Pin- Pinocchio's. Oh yeah, I know Pinocchio's. I know where Pinocchio's is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my only Italian joint in Los Angeles that I like. Nice. And that's right. You go in and it's a it's cafeteria style, and you sit down. And you go. You can go buy a beer or a bottle of wine out of the market next door and sit down and drink it. And ooh, it's good. And it's like I don't know what it is now, but it used to be like ten bucks for an order of lasagna, which is right on the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Very cool stuff, man. I, very cool stuff. And I, like, I, I want to show up on one of the sets that you're doing craft services, man. I want to be. Yeah, you do. I want to be there. I want to hang out. I want to see how it plays. Yeah. You don't even have to go past my truck. You can just stay there and you get the full experience. <laughs> how big is your team? Is it just you? Do you ha- usually have a couple of assistants? It's rarely big enough. <laughs> um I've got, uh, it's funny because the whole strike, man, I'm, you know, whenever we do go back to work, it's, it's going to be hard. Some people move on, you know, yeah. some people got to get real jobs and it might be hard to get them back. Yeah. Uh, but I usually, I have like, I have a handful, like six, six or so of us that, of people that I, are my first calls every time, but you know, it's Hollywood, baby. It's all contract work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, I have a, a core crew that. That is my my go tos, and then the rest, you know, you just pick up as you go, pick up some locals, and I have some second string guys that I'll call in if I get real busy, and if we're doing two or three shows at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a uh, it's a very hard thing, especially craft service. Um, it's a very hard thing to acquire people um, that that are good and that want to stay. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, if they're really good, you got they're they're going to want to you know start their own outfit. Which, luckily, I don't have to fight with too much because you're so much better off working for me. But um, yeah, because i i come with I come with clout, you know. I come with uh, if you if you work under me, nobody's going to mess with you. And you know, craft service people—they're always at the top of the 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 list for the producers to screw with. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm just very fortunate that uh, that I'm I have my reputation and I have my my clout that people typically don't really mess with me and if they do that's silly that's all you, you made a bad call <laughs> <laughs> but that's but it, it happens on Yellowstone all the time we get in these new UPMs and line producers and they're all gung ho like oh I'm gonna be the one that finally gets Yellowstone under control. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some things weren't meant to be under control, my friend. <laughs> some things were meant to be what they are, and, but they all come in, you know, uh, all gung-ho and uh, uh, Boy Scouty, you yeah. know, I guess that's the way to say it. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, 
they realize that there's not a lot they can do. So they're like, well, um, you, well, well, we'll at least get the craft service guy under control. We'll, we'll get his, but you know, his budget's out of control. We'll get that guy. And I'm like, really? You came all the way out here, and then you picked me <laughs> to fight. I mean, have you not looked around here? Uh, I mean, look, man, if you want to fight, that's great, but it's not going. You're just gonna, you're just gonna make a fool of yourself, <laughs> right? They're gonna burn you at the stake, brother. <laughs> if you're, yeah. you're getting rid of uh, the food. Listen, all these people already didn't like you before they met you. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're really digging a a, a grave here for yourself if you're going after me. <laughs> and I got a big mouth, buddy. I'll tell exact. I'll tell everybody exactly all the things you said. <laughs> that's another reason why me and taylor have gotten along so well over the years is um i i have i don't have shame dude and it's not in me so if he comes to me and says hey um what do you, what do you think about this person or uh what what happened today on set yeah oh you're going to get the whole story buddy there's not going to be any filters or churching up you're going to get the real deal <laughs> Churching up, I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, I did you're, you're, as as a uh, as a director. That's invaluable. Like whenever I crew to have to have somebody that is there all the time. Yeah, gets to see everything, and that everybody tells the gossip to. That's going to come to you and tell you exactly straight how it is. Yeah, yeah. And I I wish it didn't have to be that way. I feel like everybody should be honest with somebody like that. But you know, people are afraid. Yeah, a hundred percent, dude. Like I've witnessed this as a director myself and you sort of, you walk on set, you start asking questions and, and you feel it. Like you look around, you go, something's fucked up here. And then you start yeah, talking nobody, to folks. Nobody's going to fess up to it, are they? No, man. And they, like everybody's like, eh, it's good. It's fine. It's fine. That's why it doesn't matter what kind of shoot I do. I'm always planting my people in different places. The people that I can fight like you, people I can fucking trust that are going to go in there and I can walk over to them and go, what's going on? They go, well, these fucking people. And you're like, oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. This guy's a mook. This guy's an asshole. Yep. This guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. yep. Exactly. Or, or more importantly, it's like, hey, man, the way you handled that thing on set, I saw how that affected everybody. And, and to have somebody actually be yeah. able to call me out and be like, you might exactly. want to fucking curb some of that anxiety that you're kicking around here. And it's like, oh, right. Shit. Now, now uh, I said I have no shame. I, I do have... Uh, restraint though so I'd, I'd refrain from calling taylor Sher sheridan out on things <laughs> of course he's your boss <laughs> if there's anybody you should refrain from calling out that guy <laughs> how, now, how, how did you two meet for the first time was it just on set was it was that the vibe yep that was it it was at park city film studios um it was on the first day that I was there. Mm -hmm. um, this is obviously a few weeks into the show um, when they replaced their craft service guys. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, I guess, I'm sure he knew I was coming. Um, and I had only heard his name. I didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. But um, I was out in the parking lot and we were wrapped already for the day. We were on the move to Montana. On my first day, on my first day on set, we company moved to Montana. <laughs> so... Uh, I was out there just, and you know, all my stuff, had, I just finished washing everything. Everything was shiny and polished. My inside of my truck was like piece of jewelry. Mm -hmm. I had my barbecue pit parked right outside and he came up and I could hear the spurs clanking on the parking lot. Uh, <laughs> and this big, this big lumbering, you know, cowboy guy walks in the back of my truck and he takes up the whole damn doorway, you know? <laughs> and uh, he goes, Hey, you gator. 
And I said, yeah, that's me, man. And he goes, is that your, is that your smoker outside? I said, yeah, that's mine. He goes, why is it not lit? I was like, well, I just got here. I don't even have meat yet, but I'll go get it right now and light it if you want. He goes, yeah, you're going to do just fine here. I said, you must be Taylor Sheridan. He goes, that's me. And um, I think that was that. I don't think we even said anything after that. He said, I think he said, like, I'll see you in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, uh, he's a beast, man. He's a fucking, like, talk about the guy that is single-handedly keeping Paramount going right now. <laughs> single-handedly, yep. Yeah, he's a beast. As they, as they tried to cripple themselves from within, too, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, 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 what do we call it in Hollywood? Skipping over, skipping over a dollar to pick up a dime. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, they're real good at it. Yeah, dude. Um, but they, uh, you know. Yellowstone's gotten so big, you know how it goes, man. There's there's a million fingers in the pot. Yeah, of course, of course. It's 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 now the darling for everybody, and yeah, yeah. we enjoyed it when it was quaint and beautiful back in the day. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, how'd you get the? So you actually are the doing the official Yellowstone cookbook. How, how'd you how'd you work that out? And how'd you work that out with fucking Paramount? Like, how'd you get that deal? Um. <laughs> so, uh, cookbook had been talked about for a couple years in my life. Yeah. Um, we just didn't know how it was going to come to fruition, but it was definitely something that was in the air. Mm -hmm. And obviously Yellowstone has a huge marketing side to it. Yeah. Massive. And we, far as I know, we pay for the budget of Yellowstone every year in t-shirts. Um, wow. At least that's a, that's a stat that I, I've heard from, uh, People I can't quote. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, we we're sitting somewhere one day. We we're sitting in Taylor's house or something. Um, drink, I like to go over there and drink all his super expensive wine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, the head of 101 Studios, David Glasser, who's become a, a good buddy over the years too. He's always been in in my in my circle, which is nice, at least most of the time. Um, and he was talking about something. He says, oh, yeah, you know, we're doing a, a cookbook too, Gator. And I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. Sounds good. Like, I didn't, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of your guys' empire. Yeah, yeah. I just want some money and get out of here. <laughs> and uh, well, unfortunately, I, I am part of it now. But, uh, <laughs> well, did they, but add, I, did they ask and, you to be, to do the cookbook? Well, and he goes, would you, it's so matter of the fact too. He goes, would you, would you be interested in, in authoring the book? Do you want to do the book? And I said, now, David, don't you think it'd be kind of weird if I didn't do the book? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> right. So I'll, I'll do the book, man. Thanks. Yeah. Go ahead and put him in touch with me. And that was it, man. I, and I, I started the book there and, and um, it all came together. It took about a year and a half. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a lot of work, right? So what's the process for you? You just sort of, uh, writing out a bunch of different recipes that you're constantly using or recipes that are inspired by it. Is that where I you start? A lot of, I, I, I did a lot of recipes that I'm very used to cooking and that I've been cooking on set for years. Uh, so I, I, I didn't know where else to start. So I just went with what I knew. Um, and a lot of, a lot of those recipes just happened to play really well to the ranch style. And mm -hmm. some of them are, are, um, are pulled from the show and we created them, but a lot of them are just recipes that are in my repertoire, man. Mm -hmm. Very cool, man. I'm excited. Like I'm just like staring at, uh, I'm reading about it and I'm staring at images on it and it's, 
it's it's it, but the book came out really nice. Inside did a great job. Kim Kim did a great job helping me put it all together, and uh, it really came together nicely. And it, I think it's important that it's it's not so much a cookbook encyclopedia. It's it's more of a story yeah. with some great recipes in it. I think that's a smart way to go, right? Because now you're you're attaching emotion to food, which we, we were because talking about I initially. Would, because uh, how boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You pick up one of those old French cookbooks and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, right. Well, I, good news, Mike, I don't and wouldn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, well, Gator, I should probably wrap this up. And what I'd love to do, if you've got like a hot second, I want to do another segment at the end of, of this that I do. I call it Love Sandwiches. And um, this is uh, oh, man, you're gonna like you're gonna like this part. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Good, good, good. So we'll get to we'll get to that. Um, but it's it's an honor to meet you, brother. Um, I have nothing but the most respect for a guy like you who like serves people, makes people happy on sets, has a great fucking attitude, has has balls to be to be a personality, especially in a in a industry where you know there's a lot of people that are fucking afraid. Uh, in our industry to to be a personality. Well, sure. That's not going to get you real far, is it? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You know? So uh, we don't, fear doesn't work around here, man. That's not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. Um, well, dude, thanks. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for talking to me about all this stuff. Yeah, thanks, man. It was a great chat. And uh, I hope we get to hook up again and maybe we'll go uh, – do a little, what did you call it? Bar safari. Bar? Yeah, let's do a bar safari. A bar, a bar safari. That sounds, that doesn't sound like anything Gator would ever want to do. <laughs> it's an, it's a, I, I, I was doubtful, you know, when we started talking, I'm like, this fucking guy's not going to want to do that. <laughs> no, I definitely want to do that. As, as long as you let me book a car service so I don't have to drive anywhere. I'm That's in. the move, man. That's We'll get it sponsored. That's the move. <laughs> you, just, you just hire one of those party buses to drive you around all night, New Orleans style. There it is. Episode in the can. Fucking A, man. Great guy. Great conversation. I'm hungry. I'm hungover. I'm starving. I think Gina just left. I think she went to the sandwich shop. I hope she's grabbing me something. I'm feeling it. You know, you have that like, okay, so you go out. Okay, last night we were celebrating our buddy Ian Spencer's birthday. I was out of town when his birthday actually happened. And uh, he's a great dude. I love him. Uh, He's very humble. He's also... Uh, you know, he doesn't like, but he wanted to celebrate his birthday, but he didn't want to celebrate his birthday. You know, you got to read between the lines with some of your friends. I don't want to make a big deal. Well, if you didn't want to make a big deal, you would say that. And so, uh, you know, yesterday and morning, I was like, we're going to take this fucking guy out. And he was like, ah, we don't have to. I said, yep, we're going out. We went out. Where'd we go? We went, um, Koreatown here and we went to axe throwing. There's this axe throwing place. Um, and the guy who was guiding us through the axe throwing, (laughs) he was a trip. I don't know what he was on. He was like half time traveling. He reminded me of, uh, Ernest from the Ernest movies. It was like Ernest throws an axe. Um, and so we hung out through axes. I'll tell you this. I don't want to be, uh, on Ian's bad side and be running from him. That motherfucker put an axe right in my spine. Um, we did that. We had some food there. Some drinks there, continued, 
uh, went to another bar. I had some beers at a brewery, went to another bar, had some drinks, showed up to another place and our buddy Mitch bought a shot. Uh, guys, I need to I need to like calm down. I'm 45 years old. I need to calm down on the shots. All right, you could buy me a fucking cocktail. Now I'll sip a cocktail, but I start tossing those shots inside me and the next morning it feels like I swallowed fucking swords. I got to calm down on the shots, fellas. Um, but uh yeah, we did that and I think we wrapped up the night at like 2 a.m. last night. And I was up bright and early, 8.30 today, doing this show. Uh, I think I did a good job. You know what it is? A lot of the laughing helps like work out all that booze. Sweating it out with laughter. Um, Gator, if you're listening, love you, brother. I'm so happy we met. We're definitely going to hang. Bar safaris, food adventures, uh, whatever uh, I'm in. And uh, thank you, Stuart for uh, suggesting another great guest on the show. Everybody, a round of applause for Stu. Here we go. As always, coming through with some epic guests. Good dude. Thanks, Stu. Um, I'm bummed out that I'm not going to be at uh, Nightmares Fest because I can't do both. Those of you who don't know, Come Home has got into the film festival circuit. I think this episode will come out before. Uh, We'll find out. But... um, yeah, I, I unfortunately, with the fact that we're going to be doing podcasts and everything at Film Quest, I can't break away to get to nightmares. All these fucking horror festivals, they think it's clever to have it all around Halloween. So they, they cram them all in, which it's cool. I'm excited to be in them, but it's the bummer is that I can't be there to watch it with uh, with folks in all these different places. Um, so Stu will be out there representing his film pizzagate he was on the show talking about that his pizzagate is definitely in there and he's he's playing and then come home is also playing at that festival i i love the fact that my friends are also in the same festival as me it's so cool man it's a very cool fun fucking thing um so thanks Stu, and thanks gator and thanks to everybody listening to the show and uh you know you can check out yellowstone it's a great fucking show um, and uh, all the spinoffs are really fun. And when you watch that show now and you see those environments and those atmospheres and the places that they shoot, you should just be thinking like right off fucking screen, there's some smoker running and gators out there giving out food. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. And as always, I'll see you next Tuesday.